The Other Side podcast mission is to discuss important cultural and social issues relating to race, culture, gender, and equality. Hello, thanks for joining us for another episode of The Other Side podcast. I'm Scott Kirk here with Lucas Sullivan. And today joining us in studio, we have Horset No, who is the director of the Abu Bakr Islamic Center and the outreach director of the Somali Islamic Centers of Ohio. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, we wanted to have you in to talk about some of the comments that President Trump has has made recently regarding immigrants and especially immigrants from countries on the African continent and in particular from Somalia. Yeah, in particular from Somalia, a community which you are the imam and have close relations with a lot of people in the community. How are people in the community that you talk to, how are they receiving the comments from the president? And and what are your thoughts personally on what you've heard? Um, Thanks for the opportunity and allow me to uh, address this in a more broader context. Um, First of all, we are living at a time where a lot of Muslims believe that Islamophobia is not only real, but it's much worse than it was the aftermath of September 11. So a lot of the Muslims and the immigrant communities are really concerned with the way things are going on. So in that context comes with a lot of things, the the Muslim ban, uh, send her back, and all of these things. So you can tell how much um, our community is really concerned, how they feel that this is not the America that they knew, uh, especially when this rhetoric comes out of the, the man who sits in the highest office in this country, and he says to uh, an elected congresswoman, send her home, that really, you know, uh, emotionally, uh, you know, it, it really tore us apart for a lot of reasons. Uh, people like me, um, you know, I'm a father of three children, uh, born and raised here, my brothers and sisters. In fact, 80% of my family members are born and raised here. Um, We told them about this country. I teach my kids that this is their home. This is where they can be whatever they want, the American dream, right? Uh, But today, it's undeniable that uh, most of our community members, if not all of them, are not only disappointed, but I don't think they believe what we used to call the American dream anymore, uh, given the fact that this rhetoric is coming from our president. Uh, so that's what we're dealing with. And number two, most of them, uh, especially the Somali community, are very conservative uh, community in the sense that most of our mothers, in fact, I would say all of them, sisters, wives, you know, are covered what we call the hijab, the scarf. They don't see the, the, the same attitude that they used to see when they go out shopping mm-hmm. uh, to the malls. You know, the way people look at them, the assumptions, you know, the uh, all of this. So I, I think it really, it's widely felt in our community negatively. And, and, and we pray to God that uh, this changes and, and, and we, we see the America that we all used to dream. If the person in the White House changes... And therefore, the tone changes. Do you think you guys would be able to go back to living the lives that you live before this period of time? I believe um, the people, majority of the Americans in this country, 
are uh, do not agree with uh, what the president says about the immigrants and whatnot. And a good example is when he first came up with the uh, the Muslim ban thing. Um, hundreds of thousands of Americans came out on the streets uh, with posters saying not in our name, saying no fear, no hate, all immigrants are welcome here. So that is the America that I know. So uh, we still live, uh, and I mean this, in, in, in the greatest and the best country in the world. But if another president comes and, and he changed the, this discourse and this rhetoric, I think, yes, uh, people believe what they hear. Uh, if we if if this rhetoric changes, if what we hear from the news, from from the TVs, uh, what we read from from the magazines change, then people will definitely change. I believe that. So, the, the backdrop here in Columbus to this issue is Somali refugees make up. Well, the, Columbus has the second largest population in the country, uh, behind Minneapolis. Uh, there are an estimated forty five thousand Somalis living in this city or in this metro region. They contribute, based on the latest federal report, about $1.7 billion to the economy, uh, tens of thousands of jobs. And at the same time, you have, as you mentioned, the president who has, you know, the send her back rhetoric uh, really has singled out kind of the Somali community in terms of limiting refugees and has said, you know, under the Obama administration, when you had there are 110,000 refugees, a lot of them Somalis. You have the, this president now saying he wants to get that down to zero. And there's been a gradual decline in refugees that have been allowed to enter this country. So at the same time, you have separation of families who thought they were going to come here, as you said, and live out this American dream. But And at the same time, you have an increase in hate speech or what many consider to be hate speech. I think conservatives say under the guise of they're trying to protect this country. Uh, but under those guys, you have a lot of hate speech. So the so the community is dealing with a lot. And as the imam, you're in charge of handling kind of that fallout, right? You're you're the man that everyone looks to. And I wonder what that burden is like on your shoulders. I think it's really a very very important question. Um, first of all, I believe that Somalis in Columbus are uh, more than forty five. Uh, okay, uh, they were forty five. I came here 2015, and I have three kids now. There is still 45. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's at least 45,000 in three. Three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I think, and they contribute really greatly uh, in the economy of of uh, our society. Um, we have a lot of uh, business owners, uh, transportation business owners, restaurant owners, hundreds of graduates every year. The second part of the question, when you happen to be uh, someone who's viewed as a spiritual leader or as an imam, uh, people will always come to you looking for spiritual guidance, looking for uh, emotional support, if you will. M- in my mosque, we have two sermons every Friday, what you would have uh, you know, in your church Sundays. Um, you're talking about close to 3,000 congregation members in every Friday. Now, 90% of these people happen to be immigrants, majority of them from Somalia. Many of them have their, especially the mothers, two years old or three years old back home who cannot join them because of what this administration is doing. And you can imagine a, a mother whose little baby 
lives in Somalia and she's here and she doesn't know how long the process will take or if she will ever see her child. Uh, many of them, their spouse are back home. Um, they don't know if their spouse would join them here. So this is really what they're going through. I remember. So, so what do you tell them? You know, uh, I remember when I first came to this country and I met many of my family members, how much that meant to me, how much I have cried really. Um, I always, you know, tell them that, uh, you know, God is in charge of, 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 of our life and, and in everything, things will change. Because I have to, I have to, you know, I have to, uh, they have to see that optimism. They have to see that hope. I always give them hope. I always tell them that, uh, pray to God that, you know, uh, your spouse or your child will join you. But at the same time, I always tell them that majority of the Americans do not agree with this. This is just a chapter of our life. Uh, we're being tested and it will uh, just, uh, things will change. I mean, these are the things that I always tell them because many of them don't even understand the language and the culture of this country. They were told that America is the best country of the world. And now when they came here, the first thing they, they, uh, they have heard is the Muslim ban, the Islamophobia, uh, all of this gun violence, the fact that immigrants are no longer welcome here. So I always give them hope. I always give them that prophetic hope and uh, just to make them a little bit optimistic. And, and that's why I dedicate most of my Friday sermons about these you know, chapters, the chapter of hope, how um, uh, prophets of God were tested, how uh, life itself is a test, because one of the definitions of life in the Islamic tradition is a test. Just, you know, uh, so that they, they, I put that smile on their face or I give them that emotional tranquility, if you will. But mm -hmm. they're really going through a lot. I remember last time um, there was a mother, a young mother, who was crying in front of me because I think uh, her husband's visa was denied and her son was with her husband. And she told me, what am I supposed to do here? Uh, should I leave this country and go back to uh you know, Horn of Africa, Somalia, where uh, the country is still struggling to stand up. So these are some of the challenges that our community members are going through. And yes, I am viewed as that person who will always give them hope. Unfortunately, you know, I can only uh, give them a limited hope because things are becoming crazy. Uh, what do you expect when the president of the country says, even Ilhan Omar sent her home, uh, she's from a failed state, these are the things that he says. Uh, and he mentioned the, term, the, the word Somalia many times. That's why Somali community is really uh, concerned and really, you know. Terrified. Yeah, you're talking about Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from Minnesota. Yes. And the what kind of caused the pressure. She, she, she has been kind of sparring back and forth, and that that is what led to the eruption of the send her back stuff. Um, she has been outspoken. Uh, which is something that oh, I want to get to in a second because you don't often hear a lot from the Somali community. Uh, there's not a lot of out, outspokenness, I guess, if you will. But I wanted to get back to when you came to this country. When, when did that, what year was that, and under what circumstances uh, did you wind up here in Columbus or in the country? I came to Columbus 2015. I am from uh, Bay Area, California, so you might wonder. Uh, that funny migration, if you will, from <laughs> Bay Area. Uh, yeah, that's uh, much more picturesque <laughs> than Columbus. Yeah, life is very cheaper here. So, um, 
yeah, that's where when I came, and it was during the time of uh, President Bush, um, and 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 America was different back then. You know, one of the things that I always remember is uh, right after September 11, our then President George Bush went to the mosques, and he said Muslims are part of this country. Uh, those sisters with the hijab are beautiful American citizens. No one should bother them. Uh, he made it very clear to the American people that we are at a war with a bunch of criminals and not the Muslims in America. So uh, that really gave us a lot of hope and moral support. But today, uh, our current president, everything he tweets is about Islam, Muslims, immigrants, and, you know, Ilhan, Somalis, if you will. So mm-hmm. back then, yeah, you know, it was beautiful. Uh, we were never expecting that this will happen. You know, I finally had to meet some of my family members. It was beautiful. Unlike today, where we are separating a mom from her child, a husband from his wife, and so forth. Yeah, I believe some of this immigration talk, this go back, send them back, has a racial tinge to it uh, because it's often directed at people of color. Or do you still think it's it's primarily just directed at at Muslims and and people um, believe in Islam? I really doubt if majority of the Somalis when we came to this country had any knowledge, if you will, about the racial tensions in this country and whatnot. I think September 11 was a little bit wake up call for all of us because that's when we understood that, according to some research about 71% of Americans never had a conversation with a Muslim or never met a Muslim. All they knew about Islam was what they see from the from the TV, you know, two extreme wings, uh, Al-Qaeda, uh, back right. then we didn't know I- I- ISIS, right? And the right, uh, you know, far right wings and the rhetoric. Uh, so we had no prior knowledge about a lot of things that are happening today. Um, and keep in mind, Somalis came to this country, majority of us, in 91. Uh, Somali collapsed in 1991, so the first wave of Somalis who came to this country was in 1991. Uh, we didn't know a lot of these things. But today, uh, we, we, we believe that it's, it's a destruction, you know, from uh, a lot of things that we are going through as a nation, as a country. The gun violence, rate of the unemployment, if you will the fact that we have a lot of children caged somewhere in Texas mm-hmm. and sometimes they don't even have a diapers uh, what we're doing at the border to many of us who understood today a lot of things that we were not privy to also understand that this is a destruction uh, from the failure of our administration one of the things that our president said when he came to this country was make America great and today we would challenge and ask uh, the president if he was true to his slogan, did he make America great or, um, you know, what happened. A a friend of mine who works for uh, the United Nations International Staff told me that even the image of Americans outside of this country uh, really uh, was negatively Mm. uh, affected by his rhetoric. Sure, we've been hearing that more. And when immigrants from Somalia come here what what is the first year like for them like what what are they trying to do as soon as they get here uh, to give people a better understanding of you know what the, you know what that first year is like and what what they're trying to get set up and get on their feet you know many of us especially myself for example all we knew about america was uh, whatever eddie murphy 
Jazz or Michael Jackson. I belong to that generation. Um, so we had a lot of hopes when we came like here. Like coming to America? <laughs> coming to America, yes. Okay. Uh, the music. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. You know, Hollywood portrays. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Were you disappointed? <laughs> we had a, a lot of surprise and a lot of disappointment. <laughs> um but the first year, most of the Amer- most of the immigrants, especially the Somali community, you're just impressed, and you know you feel that you have accomplished a lot, and you're so happy. But then, after a couple of years, you understand that you have to struggle and work hard, just like anyone else. And after that, you start missing home, and you think about the camel, the farms, you know, how easy was life back then. And then you want to visit back home because you miss that life. You get nostalgic. Yes, nostalgic. And then uh, you... So uh, I think it depends on your situation. Many of us, their parents were born and raised here. Uh, and some of us, they came with their parents. So it depends on the case by case. Um, if your parents are from here and you just join them, then they've already paved the way for you and your college and whatnot. And sometimes you have parents and children who don't even understand this language and nobody gave them orientation about what America looks like, what they should expect and they end up in bad neighborhoods and um, their children might not do well in school and uh, but you, so you, you mentioned 1991 so you have that first big wave so now their, their children are now, are now grown and are, are adults and maybe in some cases having their own children um, and so, you know, you're getting that first generation is now kind of getting a foothold, if you will, in this country. Do you see a difference in in those um, people that maybe were born here, wants their parents? You know, do they have a do they have a different understanding or are, you know, are, do you just see any differences in them than maybe refugees that are that are still coming over? Yes, I see a lot of difference, especially when it comes to standing up for their rights because they believe that they, this is their home, right? Um, they believe that the, the freedom of expression, they're not afraid to stand up and speak. Unlike uh, many recent immigrants who might be green card holders or who have a you know, temporary protected status, what they call, um, these are different. Uh, in terms of the confidence they have in themselves and how they view America. Um, one of the problems that I see is the recent immigrants, they're physically they are here, but mentally they're back home. They're like, one day I will go back. And that prevents them from accomplishing a lot of things. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, and that's one thing, like, you know, Scott, you know, Scott and I, we pay a lot of attention to this stuff, uh, you know, and, and we pay a lot of attention to the people that, speak out against it because it takes a lot of courage to do that and you have to have some kind you have to have a certain mental state to be able to take all that comes with that and we don't see we don't see that a lot in the muslim community in the somali community there's not a lot of speaking up speaking out and i wonder why you think that is we really have if you want to talk about the muslim muslim community for example uh, care is an organization uh, council of american islamic relationship uh, who really stand up for the Muslim community. They are viewed as the lawyer, if you will, or the attorney of the Muslim community. Uh, the way Ilhan Omar defends herself or respond, pushes back some of the narrative shows, again, the, the resilience of, of, the, you know, uh, of uh, our community. And we have 
and um, you know so many people who just joined in the, in the local uh, politics especially in Minnesota we have a brother called Abdi Warsame who's an amazing brother Sister Hodan and Ilhan is one of them Noor Hams you know these are young uh, leaders uh, many of them born and some of them raised here went to school here um, and if you want to talk about the Desi community this is the India and Pakistan uh, we have a lot if you want to talk about the Arabs and the American Turkish community I think really uh, we have many leaders today who stand up and speak truth to the to power okay. and like before uh, because one of the things we understood is that if you don't stand up and speak for yourself then others will speak for you if you don't define yourself then others will define you see what I mean right so that is what we inculcate in this generation of those of us who are born and raised here I wasn't born here but you know the second generation if you will so they have that 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 resilience they have that so if the president was here like sitting with us what would you what would be the one or two things that you would want to get across to him that that you or your that your community that you serve need him to do uh, for me personally uh, since I view things uh, uh, through the lenses of theology or spirituality if you will since I happen to be an imam I would tell him that um, all of the prophets of God were once refugees and all of the Abrahamic traditions Islam Judaism Christianity command us to lend a helping hand to the immigrants to the strangers right um, you are here in this office for a reason God put you here for a reason and God wants you to come up with uh, his expectations that that's what I would personally tell him um, but my community I'm sure um, they will tell him just to, to, to chill out and relax and <laughs> get off tweeting 3 a.m. and <laughs> leave us alone and just you know be the, be the president of everyone do you really believe God put Trump in the office well I believe one of the names of God is is, is Al-Hakim uh, in the Islamic tradition which means the all-wise one it means there's a divine wisdom behind everything the fact that you and I are speaking here in this studio there is a divine wisdom behind that I believe that is part of my tradition part of my religious beliefs I believe God will put people in a position to test them to test them and they will be held accountable one day we call that day the day of judgment we believe that and I'm sure it's a concept which is deeply rooted in all of the Abrahamic traditions yes so you believe that right now there's a test you, that you're being tested absolutely power is a test it comes from God and he can take away any day anytime all you have to do is just read history and see uh, the rise and the decline of leaders and civilizations God is in charge of this world I believe that you you mentioned um, you have three children yes um, are, are how old are your children if you don't mind me asking uh, eight five and three so maybe maybe not the three-year-old but the the five and the eight-year-old how do you I don't know if you if you have conversations with them about these these things the things the president says and but if you do how do you explain this to them uh, or what do you say to what, what would you say to your children if they came to you and said why does the president say these things or 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 are we not welcome in in this country what would you say to your own children you know uh, today's children we call them 
the why generation. They always ask questions why. I remember when uh, President Trump, you know, uh, won the elections. My daughter was with me, and she could really see how much me and her mom were a little bit nervous because I'll be honest, I, I, I was expecting that uh, Hillary would become a president. Mm-hmm. Um, she knew how much I was heartbroken and sort of concerned. Up to date, she asks me questions. Dad, what was wrong with you that night? What's wrong with him? So I have no choice but to have a conversation with her. And that's why before I put them to sleep, I always um, share with them the great stories in this country, the civil rights movements, the fact that, you know, uh, one day she asked me, she said, when will God send help? Uh, Because she's always with me at the mosque. And I said, uh, you are the help God sent. This is what I uh, told her. And her mom even loved that answer. I said, God sent you for a reason. You're here for a reason. So uh, maybe you can uh, be a voice of your community. So we have no choice but to have these conversations with them. See, one of the things that um, we encourage our uh, congregations is really to have a conversation with their children. One of the things we are suffering from is a collapse of communication. You come to sometimes I visit the immigrants' houses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you see the daughter is on the iPhone and the father is watching the news and the mom is, you know, on the phone and so we saw nobody's talking, connected but yeah. disconnected, like someone said. So, uh, yes, we do have conversations with them, and we encourage people to open these conversations with them because they go to school, they're growing up, they watch the TV with us. Are Somalis here either, A, worried that they're going to be deported or sent back to Somalia, and are people, um, when you talk to family or friends who who are back in Somalia, do they worry that they won't be able to, to get into America? Absolutely, absolutely. Many of them who even wanted to go and fulfill one of the pillars of their faith, uh, it's called the Hajj, the pilgrimage, you know, the journey to Mecca, yes. which is an obligation upon every Muslim that you have to fulfill this once a year, are really thinking twice before they even go there. Many of them are like, I don't, what will happen to me? Because a lot of people are really thinking twice before they even visit their family members or before they fulfill one of the pillars of their faith, or many of them who would like to take their parents uh, from Somalia to India, uh, for example, uh, you know, for health uh, issues, uh, since India is a little bit cheaper, cannot go. Um, I know uh, sort of a distant cousin of mine who wanted to see his mom, who was not doing well, but I personally advised him not to go because... He's a green card holder, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sorry to say that she passed it away day before yesterday, before he mm-hmm. even yeah. see his mom. Uh, so this is really uh, a daily struggle, and yes, we're thinking twice before we even leave and go. In fact, many of them don't want to be uh, part of uh, voting. If you, I mean, think about that. So uh, I just want to make uh, sure I understand that part. So you're saying a distant cousin had a green card. But wanted to go see his mom. Wanted to go home and see his mom. Yes, who uh, was dying? Who was dying? Who had a cancer, terminal ill, so and he wanted to see her before she died. Before she died. Uh, but because there's this fear that he would not be allowed back in the country. Yes, he's the father. So five she, kids, and I told him, I said anything can happen. I mean, I was very 
practical with him. I said, you know, you have your brothers and sisters who are taking care of your mom. I'm sorry what you're going through, but if something happens to you, who will take care of your children? Because th- that's that's a fear. There is a th- there is a, a, a you know a, a, a probable cause that he might not come back. And it wasn't only me. Many of us advised him, and he really agreed with us. And it ended up that his mom died before he even see her. So mm. this is what the immigrant community uh, is is really going through. It's mm. real. It's not a story. It's real. It happens to us. It happens to our congregation members, our family members, and we pray for better days. Thank you so much for coming in and enlightening us and, and our listeners um, and, and really helping us to kind of understand what it's been like from the other side, um, from hearing it from within the community, I think is, is, is really important. Thank you very much for helping provide that, that perspective. I, I had a conversation with one of my students. Sorry. Um, I said, how are you feeling today? It was just a morning. And she said, my president made me feel that my faith is against my country mm. and my country is against my faith. I will never forget that. So she mm. is someone who was born and raised here, goes to school here, one of my students. So we pray for better days. Yes. 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 Well, thank you so much uh, for coming in and talking to us. Please come back. Keep us updated. I will. And um, for everybody else out there, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. So check us out on our Facebook page. Uh, it's Facebook slash group slash Other Side Podcast. Or you can always find us on Twitter at Other Side underscore POD. Don't forget to do that. And until the next time, try to see things from the other side. Thanks. Thanks.